CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. President Joe Biden met with NATO leaders in Brussels today, the latest stop on his week-long trip to meet with allies in Europe. So how's our president's first trip overseas going so far? Let's just say uh, keep your expectations low. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Biden goes to Europe. And he is astride the global stage right now. And we're all just hoping that he doesn't trip or go the wrong direction or make a bigger mess of things than he already has. You can already see uh, Biden has, has had plenty of, of gaffe moments, plenty of very uh, unsurprising, and some would even say senior moments. And look, nobody wants to point out senior. The guy's, he's almost 80, right? I mean, this, this, we're all going to be there, hopefully, one day, right? We're all going to get to that age and, and have those senior moments. It's going to happen. But this guy's the leader of the free world. He's the president of the United States. That's not exactly confidence-inspiring, is it? I mean, here he is. He wandered into a cafe in, in Cornwall, and uh, everyone started laughing at him. How are your meetings going in Cornwall, Mr. President? How are your meetings going here in Cornwall? Very well. Come on. They always do. Now, look, I don't want to be a scold. Like, people are kind of laughing. There's the president, and he's wandering around, and it looks like he doesn't really know where he is. It could happen to people, but... In the totality of the circumstances, it does start to feel like, look, he's lost a few steps, right? I mean, they, remember this before we say too much about where Biden is with all this and what he is portraying to the world as a leader. It was a regular news cycle, particularly in the first couple of years of the Trump presidency, that Donald Trump was actually crazy and that there should be an invocation of the 25th Amendment to remove him from office, right? Remember that? Remember that? That was, that was what was being talked about there. Um, so I, I just want to note that we are at a point here where we got to start looking at what's really going on with this guy because the moment that he's not reading right off a prompter or doing the most kind of rehearsed, you know, here I am, I'm Joe Biden, I'm saying boilerplate nonsense and then I'm disappearing, people start to have their questions. I mean, here he is during a speech calling Syria, Libya, three times. We could work together with Russia. For example, uh, in, uh, in Libya, we should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assi- I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. They have also um, uh, bitten off some real problems. They're going to have trouble chewing on. And for example, the rebuilding of, uh, of, uh, of Syria, of, uh, of Libya, of, you know, this is, they're there. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people 
in, for example, in, uh, in Libya. It's like watching a, a dusty old VHS tape from the late 80s or something, where, you know, you, you can see it, it gets a little fuzzy, you kind of know where it's going, and it keeps going, but you also worry that it could just stop at any moment. Remember that I used to have with old VHS tapes? Sometimes their tape would just stop and there'd be a problem. Uh, you feel like Joe Biden, the train of thought here, could just come off the tracks at, at any point in time. And there's just a lot of this. I mean, I, again, here he is, the guys on the world stage. If there were big takeaways here, I mean, things that we could actually focus on from a policy perspective, that'd be great. I mean, what are we really worried about now in the free world? If we're going to talk about Joe Biden as a leader of the free world, what are we really concerned about? Well, he would say climate change because that's a religion of the left that's completely detached from reality, but they really believe in this stuff. The world's going to melt unless we control all the CO2 emissions, which is never going to happen at the rate that they say we have to. But they'll just keep adjusting every 10 years to pretending like now the real crisis is upon us. Uh, but China is a big challenge. I think we, we all can agree, at least, that China is a major challenge. Are we coming out of this conference uh, with our European allies with any real sense of how to, how to handle China? He keeps talking about speaking to Putin in a way that it's very clear what U.S. expectations are and what some of the pushback will be against Russian provocations. Have we gotten any sense of what that will actually mean? Well, what are we going to do? Oh, he's just going to stare Putin down with his aviators? That's the idea? You see that Time magazine cover, that's what they were doing. Meanwhile, you know, look, I mean, these are some of the more, any one of these things, I'll admit, you'd say, ah, come on, how big a deal is it? But here he is. Joe Biden says he's been in office 120 days. I mean, it's been 145. I'm going to get in trouble with my, my staff. Yeah, go ahead. But I pretend that you didn't answer you. Thank you very much, sir. You have often said uh, repeatedly that America is back. Yes. Uh, at the same time, you've kept in place some Trump-era steel and aluminum sanctions. And I wanted to ask you, when you're having these conversations with European allies who are very concerned about these sanctions, how do you justify that? And what are your plans? 120 do? days. Give me a break. Need time. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you think that we're going to get to 180 days and it'll be need time and then... 365 days and you know you, you can already tell that this is one way that he'll be dealing with the media have, haven't had enough time but it's 145 days look it, uh, on its own maybe that wouldn't really raise any eyebrows but the guy's wandering around seems lost forgets the country's talking about doesn't know how many days he's been in office it seems like seems like something oh forgets when the, when a uh, a a fellow uh leader of a nation state has already been introduced here he is uh, talking about the leader of South Africa. Boris Johnson made a little joke of it. And just say how briefly I am to welcome those who have just joined us, bringing some pretty spectacular weather with them. Prime Minister Modi, President Ramaphosa, President Moon, in just a minute. And the President of South Africa. And the President of South Africa, as, 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 I, as I said earlier. Oh, you did? I did not. I, did, I, I, I certainly did. Uh, so, <laughs> but you get elected twice. So, uh, I, I'll go over that again. I'll, I'll, let me tell you, we're, we're, we're delighted. I'm glad to say we're joined by Prime Minister Modi. I mean, is he having senior moments? This is what you have to want. And, and why wouldn't he be? The guy's almost 80, 
and Democrats foisted him on the country as the answer to our problems. He'll, he'll unify us. No, he won't. He'll be a steady hand on foreign policy. No, he won't. He's going to be a leader. No, he won't. So what are we even doing here? Well, one thing we can say is that Democrats are very happy that the focus on a senior executive trip's foreign travel is on Joe Biden and not Kamala Harris, considering the pretty much universally panned. I mean, it was a, a trip that looked amateurish. That's really what you, it felt like Kamala going to Guatemala and the way she dealt with the press, the whole thing, amateurish. And even some over at CNN, the, you know, the Democrat propaganda network that pretends to be a news network, even some of the folks over there were saying, yeah, it wasn't a good week for Kamala. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I've said I'm going to go to the border. And I, when are you going to the border, the Vice President? The administration has asked. I'm not finished. <laughs> I've said I'm going to the border. It's just a little cringeworthy, and um, I, and I know that her allies in the White House and elsewhere are watching it and just kind of wondering what is going on. How poorly did this go for her, her first foray onto the world stage? Well, it certainly didn't go the way the White House wanted it to go. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. Uh, pretty cringeworthy, that's for sure. So this is the number one, number two in the United States government. But don't worry, Democrats, they're the, they're the serious about governance people. Sure. All right, after the uh, break here, more on President Biden's European adventure with senior writer at National Review, David Harsanyi. Stay with us. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't possibly tell you in strong enough terms during the 60 second commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with the founders of Done For You Real Estate where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. We'll talk about it in detail in the podcast, from picking the city to the house, getting the broker, the loan, even putting a tenant in place so I get free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better 
David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. President Biden's gaffe amid a trip overseas has made him an, an actual laughingstock on several occasions. So this is the reception he's getting from our allies. What can we expect our enemies think of him? Relevant question, considering he'll be sitting down with Russian President Vladimir Putin in Helsinki on Wednesday. David Harsanyi is a senior writer for National Review. He joins us now to give his perspective. David, good to see you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. David, this this just brings back for me that many of us uh, out here in commentary land were saying, so we all understand, right? I, I get it. It's, it's a pandemic year, 2020, and this is a once in a century event. And there's this whole narrative of, you know, Trump is almost Hitler and Joe Biden is normal. So everything will be fine once Joe Biden is elected. But I mean, this guy's just been kind of an unimpressive buffoon his entire career. Is there anything that's surprising at all about what you're seeing in Europe? Not really. I mean, he's gotten worse, right? And uh, he seems out of place there. He seems, you know, he seems like he's an older guy out there. And what makes me laugh is there's sort of, uh, you know, the, the PR push is about how, you know, diplomacy is back and how he's going to stand up to Putin, where, you know, he's had a long history of, of being... Uh, of giving in to Putin. He was in charge of the Russian reset. He went over there and said all kinds of nice things about Putin. Uh, this whole expansion of spying and involving themselves in American democracy, at least recently, happened under Obama, not under uh, Trump. So it's a kind of a, a narrative fairy tale that happens with a lot of issues, but especially on foreign policy, where Biden has. Uh, you know, I mean, he might be giving into Europe more. They might like him more because he's not going to stand up for America in the same way that Trump did, frankly. But uh, obviously, he's not been impressive as far as it comes to pushing for American priorities. It seems pretty remarkable that we're supposed to believe that he, he's going to stand up to Russia. Did, didn't they just get the Nord Stream pipeline? So no Keystone XL pipeline here for us in America. But Putin gets his pipeline. Uh, and, and I just wonder at what point the... The Russia collusion mania, which, as we know, was entirely about domestic Democrat propaganda. It was, it was all based in lies. We're just supposed to forget that that ever happened. When, when will that fade so that, as you point out, we'll go back to the you know, Obama-Clinton uh, Secretary of State era where Russia was uh, somebody that we needed to talk to, we needed to work with? It, it feels like we're still dealing with the fumes of Russia collusion hatred which really has nothing to do with what Russia has done. It, it has to do with what Democrats convinced themselves Russia did in the 2020 election. I'm sorry, 2016 election, which they didn't do. Well, I mean, uh, and, and on top of what you just mentioned, you know, they took away uh, uh, missile defense systems from our allies in Eastern Europe. They, you know, uh, they stopped selling the Ukraine deadly, uh, I forgot what the terminology is, weapons. Yeah, it was and, anti-tank, uh, anti-tank missiles and sniper rifles were the two big things. Javelin right. missiles, yeah. They've had a long history. And, you know, they all laughed at Mitt Romney when he called them our number one uh, geopolitical threat. And Romney was probably wrong about that, actually. He's probably number but two. 
right? Yeah, they're up there, right? But then everything changed. Um, and, you know, and now, you know, we're supposed to pretend he's this tough guy. You saw the Time Magazine cover, I'm sure, with his glasses on. I mean, you know. he's Maverick from Top Gun all of a sudden, but we're all worried that he can't remember where he put his aviator glasses. That's really the reality. Right. So, I mean, you know, this is just a fantasy. And there's two sort of uh, parallel tracks, one where he talks tough, you know, Putin's evil, yay. And then, you know, giving them a pipeline into uh, Germany, which makes Germany not just more reliant on Russia and all of Europe, frankly, but also undermines the Paris Agreement, which he just signed, which is supposed to, you know, we're supposed to make carbon emissions one of our top foreign policy, uh, you know, issues. So in every way, it's just kind of a, uh, you know, it's just it's just a fantasy that we live in and people just go along with it in the media. It's, it's really distressing in a way because foreign policy is, is you're talking about not just, you know, it's dangerous, right? I mean, you're talking about things that, that matter in the world in a way that sometimes some goofy culture war issue doesn't. These things are, are important. And these are the things he's supposed to excel at. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, well, first of all, anybody who's been following foreign policy for a long time and is honest about it knows that the, the assessment of Biden, and I believe this was actually said by uh, former Secretary of Defense Gates under Obama, who he's just been in national security, security circles longer than I've been alive. He said Biden's been re- reliably wrong on foreign policy for the last 40 years. And yet he was brought into the Obama administration to be the point man, the steady hand on foreign policy. People seem to forget this, even though, yes, Hillary was Secretary of State and then Kerry, which I think everyone forgets about other than him trying to appease the Iranians. That was basically all he did. Uh, but when you, had, when you had the Biden portfolio of foreign policy, the Obama administration's, in some ways, least defensible part of the record of the eight years of Obama was foreign policy. It was a mess. Every, everything got worse. Everything that was uh, shaky or, or you know, was unstable, full of violence, whatever you want to say, when he came in, got worse over the course of the eight years. And yeah, now we're, we're back to clapping for Biden on the world stage. It just all, it all feels like the emperor has no clothes. And in this case, the emperor has no clothes and is wandering into places and forgetting where he is. Well, the president has the most power in two ways, right? Foreign policy and maybe the bureaucratic state here at home. And foreign policy, you know, Biden's been wrong about a lot of things. I mean, just we're not even going to go back to Iraq and all the way back to the 80s and 70s even. But let's just talk about how he was wrong. He said Israel was going to explode. The Middle East was going to explode. I forget what words he used when the, when when Trump moved the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. Or, you know, he said that uh you know, Iran was going to explode when we got out of, you know, that there was going to be war when we got out of the deal. I don't exactly know what his quotes were, but that was his, you know, that's what he intimated. And none of that happened. In fact, I think Trump's foreign policy was probably, for me at least, and I'm not a massive fan of, of, you know, I'm not a big fan of Trump, but I think his foreign policy was the most surprisingly competent of all the things that he did. And, uh, you know, his forging of peace deals and the way he dealt with Iran. Um, And now Biden's going to roll all that back and yet never have to explain why he's been wrong about all the things that happened in the past four years, you know? So no one's gonna ask him really. And he's just gonna do these little play things where he stands, uh, you know, like the like the Avengers on the beach, et cetera. But really, what is he gonna get done over there? I don't think it's gonna be much. But it's better for the Democrat party to have a focus on Biden, even if he looks a little bit like Mr. Magoo goes to Europe, compared to the situation they had with Kamala Harris, where, where I will say, Kamala crossed that, that threshold of media coverage where even, even Democrats and leftists were like, we, we can't prop up this, 
this this whole situation is a mess. Like this looks really bad. You can't say you've been to the border when you haven't been to the border. So I guess this week, if nothing else, at least the photo ops with Biden and the aviators and the, you know the glad handing he's doing, it's better for the from the optics perspective than a continuation of the Kamala goes abroad train wreck. Well, I think I think Biden, um, for all his negatives, at least from my perspective, at least. He's been around a long time and he knows what to say in most occasions if he gets it outright. And, uh, you know, he seems uh, non-threatening in, in a way, I guess. And I'm not saying that Kamala Harris seems threatening, but she's not a good politician. And she hasn't been around enough to, I think, learn how to be a good politician at that level. She is just cringe-inducing when she speaks. And uh, let's face it, she wasn't, she didn't even make it to Iowa, right? I mean, she was not a popular, she was not popular among Democrats either. She had no way of being president. And it is kind of weird. I mean, I think he picked her because of sort of, because he had made a promise, you know, sort of identity politics promise. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been vice president. And now she is. And I don't think she's prepared for the vice presidency. Can you imagine? So, which is the easiest job in the world. Um, I don't know if he's throwing her into these into these positions to make her, to make himself look better, or if he thinks she can handle it. I don't know what he's thinking, but she's, uh, she's a problem for them because she is going to run after he is done. And she is, she is not a good politician. That is true. David Harsanyi, National Review. Good to see you. Thank you. As Americans learn more about critical race theory, parents are talking, are taking rather, to their local school board meetings to voice their opposition. When we come back, Ryan Gerdusky, founder of the 1776 Project PAC, is going to join us to explain what parents can do to fight back on behalf of their kids. Stay with us for that. I've been telling you for a while now about the online thieves who can easily steal your home's title, but you don't have to take my word for it. Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. This is why you need Home Title Lock. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's, it's in my name, or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that, that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Heard enough? Don't let this crime happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim, and enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Came to your school when she procures bids for ISU with construction and came to your school and spoke to your staff for two straight days. Why did she do that? This is why she did that. This is why she did that. To make sure that when our students want to know whether or not they have a vagina or a penis, they have pictures from your staff to be able to help them. They don't have enough sex. They don't have enough anal sex. They need adults to tell them how to masturbate. This was too much for you, I can tell right now. And that's why you're cutting me off. But last time I said, you know what? Critical race theory. Little girl in the back was laughing every single time Megan said something because white people oppress black people, right? Isn't your principal black? Isn't your mayor black? Wow. As the curtain's being pulled back on what critical race theory is and what's being taught to kids in schools, more outraged parents are taking the debate to their school boards. And our next guest is helping them out. 
author of They're Not Listening, political consultant Ryan Gurdusky started the 1776 uh, Project PAC, which aims to raise money for school board candidates who oppose critical race theory. He joins us now to tell us about it. Ryan, good to see you. Thanks for having me. First, why, before we get into your PAC, and I, I want you to give us the details of what you're planning to do, what you are doing, uh, why is it that we're having this national moment, it seems, where critical race theory is getting a lot of attention. I mean, about a week ago, Barack Obama said, oh, it's some right wing, you know, drummed up nonsense. But we keep having parents at schools and parents at different places across the country saying, no, this is being taught to my kids. So why is this all coming together now? Well, I think that parents are just more aware, especially because of COVID. A lot of students were uh, learning from home over the last year and they could actually see what uh, their teachers were teaching their kids. Uh, that's how I became more involved is I have a nephew who's nine who uh, his mother was able to actually hear what he was learning when his teacher told him that police cars only follow black cars and not white cars and was trying to gaslight a child into uh, police brutality. She became very upset by it and she alerted me to it. And I think parents by the millions were being alerted to what their teachers were actually teaching their children. So there's also then just the greater awareness that comes from more parents who are home during the Zoom instruction sessions, perhaps, and seeing what's being sent home with the kids via video and email on a regular basis. So I think that's an important point for everybody. So what, what are we seeing now when it comes to parents organizing against us? What are you trying to do with the 1776 Project Pack? Well, parents across the country have reached out to me. They are organizing in their local districts. I created the very first federal super PAC to focus on school board elections. Um, the PAC will raise money and campaign on behalf of candidates who oppose critical race theory um, in elections as early as this year. I think we're eyeing 10 different states in 2021 that we plan on campaigning on behalf of school board candidates who are opposed to critical race theory and trying to overturn school districts that are teaching it. Um, and they'll be able, once we have conservatives running the school boards, to hire to buy new textbooks, hire new superintendents who can push back on principals and teachers that are that are promoting this. And you know, critical race theory comes in many different forms. I think it's important now to also teach these candidates once they are elected about things like equity programs, which is what they're forcing teachers to do training in, uh, which is another form of critical race theory. They sit there and they say that certain traits, like uh, uh, like the ability to for rugged individualism for entrepreneurship uh, capitalism these are all forms of whiteness which need to be opposed and they need to suggest that children not uh, if they show these attributes be pushed away from them and what does it take to to win i mean at a school board level i'm just wondering i mean this is obviously not like a congressional or a senate race so uh, is it is it smaller amounts of money that we're talking about here that can be very helpful and then spread across the country the idea is to create essentially just the the, the beginnings, the, the momentum of a grassroots anti-CRT uprising in the school boards. I mean, talk me through how this actually, how this works for individuals you're going to be backing. So 90% of school board elections are nonpartisan. Um, that's a big advantage. So we can, we don't have to only compete in red areas. We can compete in blue areas, purple areas, all the rest of it. Um, in 2021, there's only two major elections, which is the governor's race of New Jersey and the governor's race of Virginia. Uh, outside of those two school board, those those two states, most elections have a turnout average of about 10 to 15 percent. It's incredibly low. Activating five percent of the base, five percent of the population, which may be very conservative, to get out and vote could drastically swing. 
uh, these school board elections. And we could do that through mailing campaigns and through digital ads, which are enormously cheap. I'm hoping to spend about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per race to help flip school boards. And I think that raising, you know, your dollar goes a lot further in these school board races than in, you know, a congressional race or a U.S. Senate or governor's election. And what are, what are school boards? I mean, I don't have kids, so I've never dealt with a school board before. Uh, what do school boards do, and, and how do they factor into critical race theory teaching across the country? So school boards do everything from planning days off or uh, you know winter breaks to to doing important things like making the budget, like approving um, certain pieces of curriculum, like hiring textbooks, hiring superintendents. Those people are enormously important, superintendents in the school board, because they create the training programs uh, which are then being used for teachers. Teachers in many of these schools are having to go through these uh, you know, uh, critical race theory, anti-racism or equity training programs where they're taught uh, basically how to teach in certain curriculum with critical race theory, how to teach them that whiteness is a problem, how to teach uh, children about race, how to sit there and uh, incorporate critical race theory in history, uh, not only in history and, and civics, but also in science and math. Um, they are, it's, it's an enormously important position um, and hopefully we can get conservatives elected across the country uh, and they can hire conservative superintendents. We can push back on critical race theory and basically end it in, in state after state, district after district. And I'm hoping, by the way, that there, yes, there are activists who are on school boards, but there's a lot of people who are kind of just going with the flow. I hope that they feel that the threat of campaigns running against them could push them to be activists opposed to critical race theory rather than people just going with it because they don't want to you know, cause a headache. Ryan, uh, is the left already pushing back on you in different ways? I mean, usually the way this stuff goes is that the left establishes institutional dominance. And then for a long time, they, they just say, what are you talking about? There's no left wing bias in whether it's the federal government or Hollywood or social media, whatever. There's no, there's no left wing bias. And then eventually when it becomes too much and there's actually a movement to push back against it uh, from everybody right of, or from the center on right, uh, they then then all of a sudden they they mobilize as a kind of counter to the counter revolution. Are you already getting some pushback on this, or are people upset that you're creating a super a super pack to get rid of CRT? Well, the teachers unions are the main organizers behind pro CRT candidates, so we'll receive pushback from them monetarily and on in the ballot box. But um, uh, you know, leftists. Uh, I think there's a media narrative right now that Republicans are quote unquote pouncing or going on the uh, you know going on the attack. Uh, when in fact, you know, we didn't. To quote Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire. It's not that we are opposed to sitting there and teaching real history and are trying to change curriculum. It's the left who started it, and we're just trying to preserve what we have or what we had and trying to actually make it more. Uh, we're trying to be proactive rather than just reactive. I want to create a curriculum that uh, teaches kids not only about true American history, but also, you know, true global history. Kids should have to know about the horrors of human history that, you know, before the white man got here, it, America wasn't the Disney version of Pocahontas singing to trees and having a Woodstock festival. It's a really, really terrible place. Um, and I want people to know about overall what like the history of the, of the world, history of the human race has been bad for most of its history. And you're really in a lucky place right now to be born and be alive. And it's not by accident. These institutions take a very long time to create and they're very easy to destroy. And I think children should learn that. Ryan, where should folks go if they want to get involved, help out, donate? 
Yeah, 1776projectpackpac.com. Ryan Grudusky. I like it, man. Let us know how it goes. Thank you. The president and the vice president have still not been down to witness firsthand the crisis at the border, but our next guest has. George P. Bush is running for attorney general in Texas, and he joins us to discuss what's going on in his state next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. The border surge is showing no signs of letting up. Smugglers are getting more aggressive as they sneak migrants into the U.S., which has led to an increase in chases at the border. So what is the Biden administration doing as a result of all the data we're seeing and the reality of what's happening down there? And why hasn't the vice president been down there? Joining me now to discuss this, George P. Bush, who's running for attorney general in the state of Texas. George, thanks so much. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. So you just visited McAllen. I was down in McAllen about two months ago and you were in El Paso as well at the border. So what are you seeing? Well, uh, the largest surge of illegal immigration in modern American history with um, an apprehensive president that's unwilling to make the tough decisions to do the right thing. Um, I've had a chance to visit the border now five times this year and hundreds of miles of unfinished wall that have yet to be developed because of the Biden executive orders. Um, We have a lot of work to do to uh, secure our national security. Uh, We've seen just this past month in the month of May, a report of over 180,000 apprehensions. So projections are holding firm that this is the largest surge of illegal immigration. It's because of the policies uh, that we've seen from this president and we need uh, new leadership soon. Now you've been endorsed in your request to be the attorney general for Texas by the national 
Border Security Council. What would you do? I mean, what would you like to see done at the federal level at the border? But what would you also do as Attorney General of, of the state of Texas if you're given that role? Well, Buck, I, I hope I get credit for announcing uh, this idea on your show. But under the National Impoundment Control Act of 1974, states can compel the federal government to follow through through with a, a duly appropriated congressional dollars. And in this case, $1.5 billion was appropriated to the Trump administration to construct upwards of hundreds of miles of wall. Uh, the Biden administration has refused to move forward. I was actually just in McAllen where I saw unfinished wall in one of the highly trafficked corridors uh, of our country. And I, I would have filed that suit a long time ago. Um, states need to come together to raise awareness around this issue that's affecting our communities. We're seeing a surge of human trafficking, narcotics trafficking, uh, not to mention, um, and our border communities are tired of it. And you also would seek to reform asylum laws. Give us, give us some, some details, some specifics on that, because this is where so much of, of the discussion, the debate on this heads in either the wrong direction, or I think people often use misdirection about this. They'll say that asylum is, is a legal process and that everyone who's coming to our border is doing so legally. We know that's not true. Apprehensions are occurring because people are surrendering at the border, not crossing at a port of entry. But then there's this whole machinery of asylum that hundreds of thousands of people, really millions of people, if this continues, are disappearing into. And, and, and that's essentially creating an open door situation for people that want to exploit these loopholes. So what would you do with asylum laws specifically? Well, we need Congress to close the asylum loophole that exists right now where First, starting with the Biden executive order, once the Remain in Mexico policy was rescinded, it was basically a blank check for the drug cartels to, to prey upon folks in the Northern Triangle who are eligible for asylum to come to the border and come through our system. It reached such a disastrous point in March and April where we started seeing that a lot of the asylees were not even given a court appearance. On average, if you are giving a, an NTA a notice to appear before an immigration judge, it's now in excess of three years, and we know exactly what's happening when folks blend into our society, into our community during those three years. They do not appear at that time. However, with that notice appear, they can use that to apply for licenses and for other official paperwork to develop um, a narrative or at least paperwork to look like they are legal. So this has become a, a surge tactic because of the Biden executive order where this abuse of our asylum laws have resulted in this surge that we're seeing. So we need to re return to the return to Mexico, remain in Mexico policy, the migrant um, uh, protection protocols that were under place under President Trump. That way we can create a little bit more security, a little bit more pace at which border, secure, border security and HHS can uh, work in a pace that we can allow immigration judges to catch up with the backlog of cases. What would you do as uh, State Attorney General given the recent rhetoric uh, for the last year or so from the Democrat Party and the BLM movement about law enforcement, defund police, and, and a lot of the attacks on, on police across the country, what would be your approach? How would you handle all that? So thankfully, this legislative session, we passed a law that basically says that we will trigger a popular vote in any Texas city that defunds any police budget in Texas. I agree with the governor that we need to pass a law that says we defund cities that defund the police because uh, the people of Texas will never accept 
the defund the police narrative, not now, not ever. Um, I think it's important that we become better civic educators to tell our young people that these harmful doctrines are dangerous for future generations. It creates and breeds a sense of resentment among our communities uh, of color and, and minority areas that need policing more than ever. Um, and the only way that we can move forward as a country is not hold each other responsible for the sins of the past. We gotta look forward. And so I'm excited that Texas is standing up for the thin blue line that we have in our state. What are the things that you've seen the Biden administration do that from a rule of law perspective so far you find the most troubling? Well, it's the insecurity at our, at our border. The fact that the vice president has yet to come down. This is about our nation's sovereignty. This is about the security of communities uh, on the border. Um, one of my platforms also is talking about human trafficking. We have seen an absolute spike in this last year. And this ties into the, this trade that's three times more lucrative than transiting narcotics across our southern border. And the cartels are using a lot of those same, those same routes. And so rule of law matters, rhetoric matters from our leadership. And yet we have not seen that from our nation's leaders to bring together and support those that su support us and separate us from the chaos and the anarchy. Uh, one other thing I'll note is that in our legislature, we had 200 bills targeting the legal authorities of our police officials in Texas, including stripping qualified immunity. Imagine that if you are responding to a call as a first responder, being sued in your personal capacity for doing your job. This is, this is why we're seeing a record low amount of morale and recruitment in local police departments, including here in Texas. George, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck to you. We'll talk to you again. Thank you for having me. The 2020 U.S. Migration Report has come out, and as expected, Americans are fleeing blue states for redder pastures, Republican ones. That story more in Quick Hits up next. Are you ready for the next national disaster? If we learned one thing recently, it's that the unthinkable can happen at any minute. The best way to ensure you survive is to prepare now with an emergency stockpile of food from My Patriot Supply. They're America's preparedness leader, giving millions peace of mind for an uncertain future. But don't wait until it's too late. Act now before there's a stock market crash, more civil unrest, natural disaster, or worse. My Patriot Supply has served millions of families for over a decade, earning 39,000 four and five star reviews. Their food is specially packaged to stay fresh and delicious for 25 years. And unlike other emergency foods, each meal provides 2,000 much needed calories when you need the most. If you act now, you'll save 25% on their four week emergency food kit. Just go to preparewiththefirst.com right now. Save 25% on that valuable four week kit. That's preparewiththefirst.com. Don't wait, take action today. Go to preparewiththefirst.com. Americans are fleeing blue states and the White House COVID czar says the quiet part out loud. We got those stories in quick hits. Let's get to it, shall we? So we have in the 2020 migration report. So this is showing you where do people want to go within the country, right? What states are getting more people coming to them, moving to those states, and which states are having folks say, enough, I don't want to be here anymore, I want to go somewhere else, better opportunity, lower taxes, better governance, whatever it may be, more freedom. There's a lot of reasons, but there's a very clear pattern here, very clear trend, and it is not favorable for the deep blue states. Here you see the top outbound states are Illinois, New York, California, New Jersey, Maryland, 
The top inbound states, Idaho, Arizona, South Carolina, Tennessee, North Carolina. Those are red states that have people coming to them and blue states. I don't know about this map, by the way. We should not have had the red states. <laughs> the, the, the blue states. I know I understand. I'm just saying the blue states are red and the red states are blue in the map. So it's a little bit of a throwing people at home. I know that's where the map is. I'm just saying uh, you got to think of it this way. Those uh, communist red states are losing people and those blue states represent freedom, even though those are Republican red states. You know, the whole blue red thing goes back to network TV calling elections. I think it was started in the 70s. Hasn't been around for that long. Probably should have had the more Marxist-leaning Democrat Party be the Reds, but we allowed the major news networks to determine the color scheme. I think there was even yellow used at one point, but we got rid of that. So red and blue, here we go. But the point here is the red states, Republican states, are getting people in larger numbers. People want to live there who are picking where they're going to go, and people are leaving the Democrat strongholds of Illinois, New, New Jersey, New York, California, and Michigan. So there you have it. Um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, remember the COVID czar, Andy Slavitt? He suggests that, and the, first of all, this guy was wrong a lot. A lot of these, these pandemic czar types and the public health experts, you know, like, for example, the chief of the CDC telling everybody, uh, Walensky, Dr. Walensky, that she had an impending sense of doom a few months ago. Remember Neanderthal thinking about Texas's reopen uh, from Joe Biden? He said it was Neanderthal thinking. Yeah, all those people were wrong. They were wrong. Their projections were completely the opposite of what turned out to be the reality. And you'd wonder why is it that we can't get any accountability? Well, part of it is that they just sort of keep going. They continue on. And I've been saying this for a while. Until we repudiate Fauci's, and there's still some elements of it here and there, The FAA still requires masks. A lot of uh, Uber nationally still requires masks. A lot of these companies have these mask requirements. Why? Everybody's had a chance to get vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you shouldn't care about other people around you being, you should be feel fine. It shouldn't be a a risk to you or you shouldn't be concerned about the risk to you. Um, But Andy Slavitt's running around telling everybody that we should just get used to having our liberties trampled on, you know, for the next time around when they decide to tell us to shelter in place and uh, double mask up. So Andy, in terms of what may happen in the future, do you think that we are ready for another pandemic which inevitably is gonna come and affect us? I don't think we are, and I don't think we are for a couple reasons. Um, one is, I think um, we need to have a dialogue in this country about, about what matters. Is it more important for us to have our individual liberties that we don't wear a mask? Or should, is there some common good that we should all be, be working towards? No, it's more important that we have our liberties because the morons that made us do all these things were wrong. Didn't help, didn't stop, didn't change. I mean, how many times do we have to go through this? Look at the data, the actual data. But they're going to keep saying this. So this fight is not over, friends. Don't forget that. And we've spoken a bit about teachers today and critical race theory and what's being taught to kids in schools. Uh, this is just one of those videos that went viral. It's, it's apparently of a teacher ranting at a student about him being straight or something? Watch this. But just because I support another thing doesn't mean I don't support straight people too. Just because I'm Mexican doesn't mean I don't also support black people or Irish people or ignorant people. Never said it was like that. Okay. Just said he had ignored. 
Would you like a special unicorn cupcake for being straight jerk? Yes. All right, come here. Get a straight jerk cupcake for being a pill. I'm just trying to be annoying. You are annoying. You were very successful. Congratulations. Thanks. What a dip. All right. What? A dip. Oh. Like a dipstick, a butthead, a weasel. Your tax dollars at work there, the public school system in America. Get a straight, a straight jerk cupcake. That doesn't sound good. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.